Welcome to Beyond the Sermon. I am Pastor Dave Rudat. I am joined today with by Pastor Will Harley and Pastor Dave Endorf. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hi. We are all here to talk beyond the sermon. We all three of us preached on different texts today. I went outside of the lectionary, so I'm sitting here in the corner, um, paying my penance to redeem myself in a non-theological sense. And uh, Will Harley is here. He has preached on the gospel lesson for this upcoming Sunday, and Dave Endorf preached on 1 Corinthians 3. So I don't know who wants to go first, but in my opinion, we should probably start with the gospel lesson, because usually services are framed around the gospel lesson. So let's uh, go to Matthew 13. As I go to the screen... Here we are, the parable of the sower. So this is Matthew chapter 13, 1 to 9, and then verses 18 to 23. This is the uh, gospel lesson for this coming Sunday. So we are using the EHV, Evangelical Heritage Version. So let's begin at, with Matthew. That same day Jesus left the house and was sitting by the sea. A large crowd gathered around him. He stepped into a boat and sat down. While all the people stood on the shore, he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. Immediately the seed sprang up because the soil was not deep, and when the sun rose, the seed was scorched because it had no root. It withered away. Other seed fell among thorns. The thorns grew up and choked it. But some feed fell on good ground and produced grain, some 100 times, some 60, some 30 times more than what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. So then we'll skip down to verse 18. So listen carefully to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom but does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. The seed that was sown on rocky ground is the person who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he is not deeply rooted and does not endure. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he immediately falls away. The seed that was sown among the thorns is the one who hears the word, but the worry of this world and the deceitfulness of of wealth choke the word, and it produces no fruit. But... The seed that was sown on the good ground is the one who continues to hear and understand the word. Indeed, he continues to produce fruit, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times more than what was sown. This is God's word. So, Will, take us away on your how you looked at this text. Well, with your um. You know, as I, we were, we had our, our picnic. Um, so it was our church picnic this Sunday. And so um, it was not available online. So if no one was able to, to kind of look at it after the fact, um, but it was uh, one of my shorter sermons, I have to say, um, clocked in at 15 minutes. So that was, uh, there was mixed reviews. Um, so who crowd. clocked it? Oh, my, one of my elders. <laughs> just happened to That's look his down. job. It's his. <laughs> um, but uh, it, 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 
when I approached the the text, um, I, I kind of had a couple of things in mind. One is it was the church picnic, and so we do get people uh, coming to the church picnic that maybe normally aren't always seen on a normal time in a normal Sunday setting. <clears throat> and so I wanted to, I really wanted to kind of strike home um, the point of the text, which was um, God's God's grace in Christ to continue to reach out to everybody, no matter who you are. Um, um, that, that it doesn't matter the walk in life. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if, if you are, um, one who is resisting or one who doesn't understand or one who is, is like the quick fired flame that, that burns real bright and then snuffs out. Uh, it doesn't matter if you are, are the one who, who continues to feel as if you're just toiling and, and you're struggling to, to, to produce something in the kingdom. Um, or if you are the good ground, um, it doesn't really matter. The Lord is, is, is desiring to reach out with his grace in Christ to you. Um, and, and he will continue to do so. And, and he is anxious to do so. So how I approached that was I, I started with the idea of, of changing the, the proverbial title of the parable, because we, those are things that we can change. And I just said, this is the parable of the soils. And instead of the parable of the sower, I said, this is the parable of the soils. And, and then I went through and I, I just kind of described all of the soil. And I said, you know, um, what does it mean to be this hard packed soil, you know, and, and how this farmer would be a failure, right? Um, I mean, he's, he's throwing money away by, by throwing seed on, on a hard packed soil that, that has no way to do anything. And then, and then you have, you know, the, the sower throwing it into the rocks. I said, any good farmer knows you take the rocks out first before you, you try to plant something. Um, and then throwing it into the thorns, everyone knows you, you get the weeds out, you got to pull them out before you plant. Um, and yet this, this farmer, he's just wasting product as he's, he's casting this out. And, and then I kind of went in this and, and described, you know, the, this soil, you know, is the, the hard packed is one that doesn't understand the one that, that is not self-aware, the one who, who looks at sin and says, who cares? And, and God shouldn't make a big deal of it. And, and whatever God says, um, doesn't really matter. And the fact that, um, he says I'm forgiven means that I've done something wrong and I take offense to that. And I, I then described, you know, the rock, um, and, and being thrown among the soil and the stones, I said, you know, they, they flash real bright and, and they're like, yeah, I am. And I'm impassioned by all of this, but they burn out real quick where all of a sudden it's like that passion within a month, within a, you know, a couple of weeks, even uh, all of a sudden burns out. And then I mentioned, you know, the thorns and the, how the thorns are, are, you know, they're well-rooted. These are plants that are growing. It's not as if they're, they're struggling to grow. It's they're struggling to bear fruit. There's a competition between the nutrients and there's a competition, um, in being able to, to go to full fruition. And, um, and then I, I kind of sort of turned it around and said, you know, um, we would love to point to people and say, they're the hard packed and, and we would love to point and say, they're, they're the, the rocky ground and, and love to point to someone else and said, they're the one struggled by thorns. And, but I, I kind of turned it around and I said, you know, there's times in my life where I'm the hard packed ground 
where, where my heart doesn't want to understand, nor can it understand what it is that God is doing for me, nor do I care. And I want to continue to do and live the way I want to live and the actions that I want to do. And I said, and there are times when I go to a conference and I'm that, I'm that rocky soil, right? And you hear a conference and you hear the, the wonderful things that are going on and you are on fire and you want to jump on in and, and be a part of something. Uh, and then you get back to work and you're like, it's just that every day grind and, and you easily burn out. And I said, and then, then I, I, I kind of just brought it on. I said, and, and I think all of us are those things. Sometimes we're the hard pack soil because we don't like to be told uh, by the church we are wrong, by God's word that we have sinned. We don't like those things. And, and there's times where we are, uh, oh, pastor said something. This Bible class was great. This, this um, um, outreach event was awesome. But then we quickly burn out because we can't keep on that high all the time. And I said, but I think for most of us, we spend a lot of times in the thorns. And I said, and this is where 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 a lot of church is in the thorns, where where we're we're rooted, we're growing, we have the gospel, we have the means of grace, but it it doesn't go outside of the doors of the church. I, I said, I, I kind of you know we we're content with that, and then the things of the world they kind of impede on everything else, and it 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 just becomes one plant of many plants that are there. Um, and then I, of course, referenced the good soil. And and my turnaround was really when you talk about the soils, we're talking about they're all dirt, right? Um, and dirt does nothing. And and I kind of referenced you could till up the dirt, you can take the hard path and you can you can run furrows in it and you can rip out those stones and you can tear out the the thorns. And I said, and then when you water the dirt, only weeds would grow back because it's just dirt. <laughs> <laughs> and it and it can't produce anything, um, and so it needs a sower. It needs one who is diligent in continuing to cast the seed that is good upon the ground. And I I then reference that's our Lord and how he, that's what he does. He 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 continues to plant. He continues to change the hearts and his. And then I reference back to Isaiah, which was one of the readings, the Old Testament reading that that the Lord's word always produces what he has set for its purpose. It, it will never return to him empty. Um, and I said, sometimes it's to, to put the furrows into the hard path. Sometimes it is to pull out the rocks. Sometimes it is to, to strip out the, the thorns before he plants into the good soil. And I said, and sometimes it is to leave the paths hard, but continue to scatter on them to give them what he has always given, which is his grace and his, his love and his forgiveness um, and his, his patience um, and his desire to have them with him, to have us with him. And so that's kind of where, where the, the gist of my sermon went. Any other comments you want to share about your sermon, Will? Um, you know, there, like in every sermon, there's, there's things that you can't touch upon. Um, and, and of course, you know, the, the result of producing more fruit is one of those things, um, not because it wasn't wonderful and a part of the lesson. Um, but I think it, touching on, touching on the soils and, and getting an idea of, of, um, why is it that the Lord is preaching in, um, parables to begin with, I, I think was, was something that I, I kind of focused on a little bit more. I, I, I went to, um, um, Matthew 13 verse 13 and, and, and kind of, quoted that for for my people saying you know the reason that the lord turned to parables 
is because they couldn't understand when he when he spoke to them spiritually. He could they couldn't understand when he spoke to them theologically. And I said, and how many times, and that was kind of how I started the whole thing, just sort of backtracking. I started it by saying, how many times have have you wished that pastors would just say things simply? <laughs> just just say things so simple that you would all of a sudden understand. And I said, I said, it's not the first time that pastors have been asked that. I said, even Christ was asked that, and even Christ did that. And I said, so, so here is the simple story. And I read the simple story, the parable, and I'm like, did you get it? Did, did you did you understand it? I mean, you can't get any simpler than what he said, um, and yet we still don't understand. Um, and that's that that kind of led into the whole whole idea of the soil. So, yeah, I, I think I think it went well. Um, I I know that it was what the Lord uh, desired for His people because that's what He fed them. Um, but uh, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed preaching. It was a uh, it, it, it's it's it was uh, not a difficult text to wrap your head around. Um, so, yeah, it it's not it's a very simple, straightforward text, but also has far-reaching implications. Doesn't matter where you are in your your life, what kind of soil are you to this portion of God's word. Yeah. I think some of the points though that were could good nuances though in the text, like when it talked to, when when the Lord talks about the thorns, um, you know, he specifically says it grows up, but it can't bear fruit. Um, I mean, those are those are interesting little nuances um that that you can pull out of the text and say, okay, you know, these are there he's he's not saying they have fallen from faith. He's not saying that they are not they're not saved. What he's saying is that they're not producing you know, the ultimate result of what we would desire as, as, as Christians in the word. So, I mean, there's, there, there's cool little nuggets that mm-hmm. you could pull out the text. Well, uh, the text that I preached on, if, if Dave, unless you want to go next on your first Corinthians, you are certainly welcome to, or if you want me to go in a completely different direction on Romans five, because it does relate to the gospel lesson in, in some ways, but Probably no, not. I just wanted to throw out. I appreciated listening to Will. Okay. Rehash his sermon. I mean, okay. I'm very encouraging. Okay. So first, uh, you want to do First Corinthians? You want me to do Romans five? No, go ahead. Okay. So Romans five is next. Let me get the EHV up here. Oh, I had the wrong one ready. So just to give you a little bit of a background is that this was preached for my niece's confirmation, specifically three to five the week before. And so this week I used the rest of the text to um, to talk to my people on our church picnic day. If you We have our church picnic worship service inside. We had toyed with the idea of doing it outside many years ago, but then the members said, well, it's air-conditioned inside, so why don't we just do it inside? So we did tell people, dress for a picnic, so people did indeed uh, dress for a picnic, even though it was inside a church, so they are, um, it was good to see them in church, hearing God's word, and then also afterwards where that fellowship could be had. So Romans 5, and uh, it begins at verse 1, 
Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace by which we stand. And we rejoice confidently on the basis for, of our hope for the glory of God. Not only this, but we also rejoice confidently in our sufferings because we know that our suffering produces patient endurance and patient endurance produces tested character and tested character produces hope. And hope will not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. So that was the text. So verses 3 to 5 were actually the confirmation text. But because I was preaching it to my people, I decided I'm going to do 1 to 5s to give them the... uh, the context of that whole section. And so uh, I explained the sermon theme was, um, oops, I should, uh, the sermon theme was not only, not only, but also basically the concept. And when I used it as a confirmation text, I was like, Phoebe gave me this passage about what it means to live as a justified child of God. And I, and she and this passage is surrounded by justification passages, so it's really hard for a pastor to talk about just this text and ignore the justification around it. So, uh, and uh, so it was not the not only this was in verse three, so that gave me permission to talk about justification. Um, but I also used it as a, a frame that people could use when you're looking at the sufferings that they're enduring. So. In um, the sermon yesterday, or two days ago, I, the children's devotion for the day talked about the seed, and I had a lettuce seed and a lettuce head, and you, you look, I told the kids, here's a lettuce head, how, how big of a seed do you think it needs in order to produce this huge head of lettuce, and, and um, I had a lettuce seed for them to look at, and so that you could see the comparison, which is the, the fourth seed in the, in the gospel lesson. So in the sermon, I was talking about what does a faith that has produced 100 times, 60 times, 30 times, what are some of the aspects of that? And one of those aspects is how an individual looks at the suffering that they're going through. So there's a a bigger section on what exactly is suffering that Paul is mentioning. And I, I explained it this way. The suffering was anything that happens in life, whether spiritual or physical, that leads an individual to question their faith. Martin Luther in his section on Marth and Romans 5 said, are there, his question that helped frame the, the issue of suffering is, do we love God for his own sake? If everything around us isn't uh, telling us that God loves us, but only God's word tells us that he loves us, then are we still holding on to that? That's a faith that's huge. That's a faith that's um, a, a head of lettuce kind of thing. And so that, that, that was the first, that was the explanation, suffering. And then suffering produces, and then since they're all in the present tense, so it's, it's kind of like a domino effect. So don't think of it as you have to have times of a, a patient endurance, times of tested character, and times of hope. But this is all happening all at once as the Christian in faith is engaging and wrestling with the promises of God and the situation around them. Um, they'll... They, they, these things are produced, these things are worked by God in that individual's heart. But off the law part was, is that when something bad happens to us, whether it be mental or physical or spiritual, we look only at that. That's the only thing we see. We don't see our God. We push God to the side. We, 
we say, God, you're sitting in my chair. I should be in charge. If, if you really were God, then I wouldn't have all these problems. So it was more of a first commandment was my law section. And um, the gospel section was God poured out his love in us in verse 4. And so that's a perfect tense. So that's God pouring out his love. And it said something that happened in the past, like for Phoebe's confirmation, it was, hey, your baptism, God poured out his love into your heart, and which has ongoing effects in the future for God's people. Also baptism, also God pouring out his love uh, on, G- on, on us at the cross when Jesus suffered and died for us. So this has ongoing effect that God's love still continues uh, to uh, forgive us. And specifically for those times when we saw only this, only that problem and not the God who is with us or only our sufferings and not the fact that we have this bigger picture of a God who loves us, who provides for us, who is going to work things out for our good, who is promising a heaven, a new heaven and a new earth in the future. Uh, all of those things. And so I did spend quite a bit of time explaining what it means to have patient endurance and uh, tested character and hope that patient endurance was this idea of this um, bearing up under. That's the the Greek word there. So this is an individual who says, whatever this is that I'm undergoing, whatever suffering I'm going through does not define me. This isn't who I am. This isn't a proof to me how God feels about me. Uh, I know he loves me because he says so in his word. I know uh, he's going to provide for me because he gives me everything, including Christ, um, in in that word. And then the tested character is that idea of uh, um, taking metal and, or taking rock and refining it through fire. So it, this is where Romans 5 becomes a good funeral text because as we look back at a person's life and the highs and lows we see how they were continually dependent on their god they continually loved god for his own sake and so um this reveals not to god they don't have to test anything prove anything to god but to themselves that they they really the faith that they've been given by god is actually real this is a real thing that, that held on to god uh like job held on to god when everything was stripped away from him and then care, hope obviously Hope, uh, um, very, I, and Dave might appreciate this, is I, I was up in Anchorage, and I said, hope is something so uh, sure, it is, is, a hope in something is so sure, like we would say in Anchorage, is it going to be cloudy out today? And, and of course, everyone's like, yeah, obviously, you know, 70% of the time it's cloudy in Anchorage, doesn't matter what the, what the uh, season you're in. And then here it was, uh, hope is, you turn on the television or turn on the news, and are they going to talk about the Green Bay Packers or the or the Milwaukee Brewers in the newscast? Obviously, there are. So to say, I hope they're going to talk about the Brewers, is expressing a certainty. So for the Christian, we are hoping in God's future activity because of the past activity. That so was then that, past act, go ahead. that past activity is is his his love being poured out. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> which has has future ramifications. Which is a beautiful, a beautiful gospel section to be able to share. Yeah, and uh, I, so I really, how, go ahead. I know, I know. This is this is totally different. This is just my own curiosity. So when you preach this for your um, your niece's confirmation, and you only you only you only uh, limited yourself to verse up to verse three. No, three to five. Oh, you did three to five. (laughs) (laughs) Three to five was our confirmation verse, and one to two I added on 
two days ago. Okay. Got it. Got it. Because I did want to, because there were so many times when uh, the rejoice, we rejoice confidently. That middle, the middle voice of that is this just expression of we rejoice. The joy is given to us because we've been justified, because we have peace with God. And this is also a joy we express even when what we perceive around us does not match up to our expectations of God's promises to us. Yeah. Well, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful text to be able to preach. It's Romans. Yeah, it's like this beautiful book. I do. I love Romans. Romans is Romans is great. The first eight chapters. <laughs> <laughs> so, any um, anything that you wish that maybe you would have uh, highlighted a little bit more, or did you like the direction that you feel? I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you felt comfortable with it, but yeah. But, uh, it it's just such a a neat text, and it just that whole um, the not only but also was the 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 takeaway. So that when you are looking at whatever stresses you out, whatever you might categorize as suffering, you can say not only this but also that I am a redeemed child of God, declared righteous in His sight because of what Jesus has done. So that that helps an individual to look at their life with joy because their identity is not found in their adversity but their identity is found in god's proclamation to them and when uh, light, their future isn't found here on earth but their future is found in christ who's going to come again and so this not only but also concept i really wish i could have talked more about that uh, it just seemed like i was i i threw a lot at them did they catch it all I, i'm not sure but uh it was such a good text. I mean, there's so much there. Those are sometimes exciting when you like, this is so many cool things and I hope God's people get it all. But I understand if they only get one concept, if they just get that concept of not only, but also whenever they're looking at something that's just stressing them out or something that is burdening them, they can say not only this, but also uh, Jesus lived and died for me in this doc- declaration that God has made because he did that. Sure. Sure. And the thing about this Romans 5 passage that I found so useful when visiting with people who are undergoing some kind of stressful life experience is that, um, you know, the sinful nature makes it worse by taking, you know, this horrible situation and then they start beating themselves up like, I should be dealing with it better. I know God loves me, but I'm I'm not handling it right. I'm not dealing with it right. I'm not faithful enough. I'm not. And it's like, okay, let's step back a second. What does God say? He says, you already stand in this faith. You are forgiven. You are God's child. You know, he doesn't make his promises conditional about how you handle it. You know, and so... You know, at a time like this, and you recognize your sin, you know, not denying your sin. What does God say? Oh, he says, I'm forgiven. Yes, he does. And we have that peace that we stand in. And I love that, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and that's what you're bringing out, which is, you know, a blessing for God's people. Yeah, I like how you had made. I, I like how you make that connection that that the sinful nature always makes everything worse, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Very good. 
<laughs> Even the greatest of gospel, when filtered through our sinful nature, right, is 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 just dashed upon the rocks. Um, and it is only by God's grace that that even the modicum of hope and comfort can make its way through, um, because our sinful nature likes to, likes to filter everything. And and you read the text, and you're like, oh, well, I know that the Lord has done this, but the suffering, I'm I haven't dealt with the suffering well. That that's that's yeah. not the point. <laughs> yeah, and and that really, to my mind, is the difference between you know, God's preaching and the devil's preaching, you know, you're, you're going through suffering and the devil's going to tell you you're not dealing with it well. And, you know, God's going to tell you, you have peace and it's going to lead to all of these fruits, you know, and you see it right there in Romans. Well, 5. now I'm not bearing enough fruit. <laughs> see, Will Hartley is the devil. <laughs> We've established that. <laughs> all right no, let's, let's go ahead beautiful text okay so first corinthians three five to seven let's do that What then is Apollos and what is Paul? They are ministers through whom you believed. Oh, five to seven. Yeah, that's it. What then is Apollos and what is Paul? They are ministers through whom you believed and each served as the Lord gave him his role. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but it is God who causes the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters are united and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For God is the one whom we serve as co-workers, and you are God's field, God's building. In keeping with the grace of God given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. But let each person be careful how he builds on it. In fact, no one can lay any other foundation than the one that has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. All right, Dave. So as I was preaching on this, um, yeah, I, I started out with, you know, what is the foundation with the that Christ has laid? You know, the preaching of the gospel. You are forgiven. Your your sins are taken away. There is no condemnation for those who live in Christ Jesus. And then. Um, I, I looked at, you know, how how does that, how do we live in that freedom? You know, a, a lot of us then uh, want, or our sinful nature then wants to ask the question of, well, can't I just sin then? And can I just keep on going sin, on sinning? And the answer is kind of yes. Yes, you can. Um, except... Not everything is beneficial. Um, and, and this is sort of where the Corinthians were at and the juncture that they were struggling with. You know, and they had, um, you know, how to live as Christians. They had different leaders that they had 
um, that had worked with them. You know, they had Apollos, they had Paul, they had had various other teachers coming in. And they tried to make one better than the other. And in, instead of looking and saying, hey, we all have different roles, um, and, and saying sin is something evil that we recognize now is something we repent from, you know, they were turning it into essentially turning to legalism and making one better than the other. You know, you're better if you do this, or you're better if you do that. Um, and then you're laying a foundation other than Christ Jesus, which doesn't work. And so I, I had two tools with me. Um, one was a, a knockoff version of a Dremel, and one was a hammer. I said the Dremel is really good for a whole bunch of things until you have to drive a nail. You know, and it works really badly if you try to drive a nail. You know, and then I hold up the hammer. This works really well for driving a nail. If you're good um, at it. <laughs> you it. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I, I just said, you know, sin is when you're trying to drive a nail with the Dremel. You know, this is not what you were made for. This is not who you are. You know, so, um, you know, I made the application of, you know, we all have different roles then. You know, there, nobody's better than anybody else. We're all one in Christ. And if you, if you switch out the different bits, you know, you can carve, you can drill, you can do whatever. Um, and it looks differently for, it looks different for everybody else, but we're all forgiven living in that, on that foundation of Christ Jesus. Um, and so what we want to avoid is, you know, trying to, to force, trying to force other people to, um, live or, or to do things the way we think they should. That we look at how God deals. Um, and that may have been where I was slightly unclear, because there are certain roles, like as a parent, where you do, um, but also recognize, uh, I've got an older congregation, we don't have that many parents. Um, uh, you know, God's working with us is gives us a lot of freedom, freedom to make a lot of choices where he keeps a lot of his will hidden so that we can just choose one thing or another. And it's all good and God pleasing. Uh, and so that essentially is where, uh, I went with the, the sermon. I really like this text because it has served as a comfort to me for, I have served after pastors who were considered legends in their own time. 
where you know God's people said, "Oh, Pastor so and so did this," and "Oh, you're here," and Pastor so and so did that, and just that reminder of this is God's work among God's people, and as He uses these individuals, He will bless He bless their work, and He will also bless mine as I serve and minister to these people. I don't know if you guys have served after legends or not, but um, and then it's the nice thing is after seven years of faithfully or six years of faithfully serving God's people, then you become that legend. And then you realize, Oh, it was only because of God's work that <laughs> in the first place, some people become legends even after serving just in vacancy. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's an inside joke, Dave, because I served uh, Harley's congregation as their vacancy pastor for six months. <laughs> gotcha. No, uh, yeah, I, I really, and I love where you went with the sermon. Um, and my brain today just sort of got caught up with that whole idea of, of Christ as the foundation. And, um, and maybe it's because, you know, I'm dealing with, um, putting together some ideas of, of how to build a home on some land that we picked up, but everything you read over and over and over again is how important the foundation is. Right. Um, you can you can do whatever you want with the house. You can have whatever design you want. You can have whatever how many ever rooms you want to put in there. But if the foundation isn't right, it doesn't matter. And that and and that's where my brain was kind of going through. The, but but that's the beauty of this. Right. You know, you have you have yes. different builders and that's fine. But what are they building on? And, and I think that the people at Corinth, you know, were really in the situation where they didn't realize, you know, the way they were trying to build was off of the foundation. You know, it's so easy with legalism to to start building on a different foundation, or you know, a, yeah. and, and um, it's easy to miss it. Cult of personality can really just... Dis- Everyone thinks that we're rallying around this pastor, around this individual. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of churches are that way today. They, they rally around an individual, and and the church doesn't survive if that person leaves or retires. Or, but I but I think even worse, and, and going with with um, the idea though is is that idea that you can build yourself on laws and and things and requirements has nothing to do with the pastor or nothing to do with the leader, but you, you, you build yourself on, well, these are the things you have to do to be among us. Um, yeah. Which is a hard thing to, to have to, to build on. Yeah. Or, or even in situations where you get frustrated, you know, we're going through, we've got to replace the floor in our uh, fellowship hall. Cause you can pick the tiles up with your hand, which not a good sign um you know but it, it would be nice to be able to say um you have to do this everybody's got to give you know three hundred dollars or whatever but you can't you know no. god loves a cheerful giver that's that's what your goal always has to be you know and, and it'd be easier to raise the money if you could say you know something to to make people feel guilty and to feel bad you know you're killing our church by neglecting but you can't and 
Amen. But really, is it killing the church? And that's that that's kind of the thing that you have to wrap our head around, right? Is is the only thing that kills the church is the lack of of word and sacrament and and the foundation of forgiveness in Christ. That's what kills the yeah. church. Um, you know, a leak, a leak in the in the ceiling, that's going to harm the building. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not gonna, yeah. it's not going to kill the church. Um I mean, yes, the the older lady who slips on those loose tiles um that could uh <laughs> very very well. But but it's not going to I mean, what removes faith is 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 the removal of forgiveness of sins, which which I think in your sermon you painted very very well mm-hmm. is the, the gift of Christ, that's the foundation. The forgiveness of sins proclaimed, that's the foundation. It's not the other stuff as much as we want the other stuff. Um, so I think you did a great job in that. I hope you did bring out, though, the tiles as part of your sermon. I Not this time. <laughs> I, I have mentioned them a couple of times in sermons. So um, A little bit of Elmer's, it'll be fine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, it's also hard to hard to say it's killing the church when, yeah, actually the church is in, you know, numbers wise is is grow, growing. So. Yeah. I was going to say, even if you kill a church building, you're still not killing a church if its foundation is found on Jesus Christ. But that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're you weird you're thinking that way. <laughs> I'm, I'm all alone, my own little <laughs> corner. Uh, this yeah. last uh, two days ago, I was at uh, St. John Wrightstown, who was dedicating their t- new church building, and part of that was not just the selling of a church building, their own church building, but also selling a congregation I used to serve, uh, St. Paul's Greenleaf. They they worshiped in there for a while, and and so it's really it was really for me it was really encouraging that. The service was, our foundation is Christ and what he has done for us. We're giving praise to him with this building and and the activity that we're doing by um, doing something new. Yeah, building a new building and and moving from older buildings. But in the end, it's always about Christ and his, the foundation that he has given to us in word and sacrament. Absolutely. That is the best foundation to build on. And, um, I think in our own little ways, I, it, it's really neat to gather and, and hear, especially this is one of those times where we have three different texts. And, and, and I think in our, in our own ways, we all highlighted what was, what's the pinnacle? You know, for me, it was the, our Savior continues to offer this, to continue to pour it out, forgiveness of sins, his word for, for the life of his people. Um, and both of you in, in your own way, what is it? The Lord has poured out his love into your hearts. And this is his forgiveness poured out. It's sustaining you, um, even though it's happening now, but but the then is is going to be different. Um, and then, of course, the foundation. Uh, why do we do what we do? Why is it that we can live the way we live? And it's because of forgiveness. That's awesome. It's awesome. Hundreds of different sermons. And if you did it right, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, it comes back down the cross of Christ. Right? That's a great way to wrap yeah. up the show. Well, I go ahead, Dave. <laughs> go ahead, Dave. Keep talking past the end of the show. Um, <laughs> I wasted a good ending on you. <laughs> go ahead. I just wanted to say that 
This is also why I appreciate having, you know, a pastor at each congregation and smaller congregations because my congregation is different from yours. And, and there are things that people here need to hear about freedom and and freedom in Christ that I, I don't know if your people need to hear. You know, and, and I like being able to have every member visits with my people so I can get to know them. And I got 91 members, you know, I can. So I get to know my people, you know, um, you know, so it, it's not just that it's a different text and a different way of approaching the text, but, you know, it's also the different people and being able to apply it to different people and, and doing it that way that I love. <laughs>